How we doing, everybody? And welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Ryan Hebert, alongside Jacob Schrader. And today, we've got some updated NFT, crypto, and esports news for you. Let's get started. But first, let's talk about our sponsor, EMP.money. Jacob, what do you, what do you got to say EMP. about these folks? EMP.money. Mm. What a protocol. So <laughs> EMP, you know, we've been working with them for three months now, and it's just been an absolute pleasure um, being exposed to this protocol, learning about it, and helping all of you make passive income each day just by investing in EMP. Right. The best part of it is you're, you know, when you buy in, you're basically just buying Ethereum, right? You're buying Ethereum and then you're buying EMP tokens, which are pegged to the price of Ethereum. Um, so for the past 27 days before yesterday, we were above peg, which means that the boardroom was printing new EMP to help lower the price and get it closer to its peg in relation to ETH, right? For 27 days, we were printing new EMP at about an APR of 1,000. Mm. So that's about a daily APR of 3%. Uh, so, you know, whatever you had in the boardroom each day, it was printing 3%. Uh, and that means, right, if it's 27 times about three, that's almost 100% gain. And the best part is, you know, what you have in the boardroom is completely liquid. Um, so we fell below peg yesterday. There was actually a big sell-off and, you know, the team and the community have really come together and we're, we're honestly about to be above peg again. Uh, we went from 50 million total value locks to 32 yesterday and we're back up to around 40 today. Wow. Uh, you know, obviously a part of that is because ETH crashed and, and the entire market was burning, but EMP has proven just to be basically you know, independent of the market, it's printing, it's going up. Uh, everyone's making money because the use case for EMP is going to be huge. Um, so if you're not in, uh, we'll be giving away some EMP tokens on this broadcast today. But regardless, it's certainly something to check out. Yeah, folks, please go check out EMP.money. Wonderful sponsor. In terms of crypto news, they actually just signed a new sponsorship sponsorship deal with us to extend the work that we have been doing with them. And so... Big stuff coming through, big stuff moving forward here for ourselves and also EMP.money. Super excited to work with them and their team, so go check them out. We'll mention them at the end of this podcast today as well. And uh, for all of you who are watching our live stream, uh, you have the luxury of literally watching and being here right now in the moment to go check out EMP.money. So let's dive right on into our first topic of today. It's got to be Riot's new headquarters. Now, the headquarters aren't new for Riot Games, but what is new is the addition that they have quietly just been building onto, onto this million-plus square foot facility for employees. And I think back to about three to five years ago where, you know, the, the biggest news of headquarters for spaces before COVID were uh, Facebook or otherwise now known as Meta or Apple. Apple headquarters is, has always famously been known to have this like innovative, futuristic look. And so Riot is taking uh, kind of a, a page out of both of these companies and they want to offer better benefits and better uh, accommodations for employees that are working on the Riot Games campus. And so they uh, they were featuring uh, basically like uh, like this coffee bar that was themed after oh, yeah. like one of uh, Bilgewater, one of the like latest places that uh, some of the characters from League of Legends have come from. Uh, should I say champions? Champions. Uh, and so hmm. it's really cool to see. And I think it's interesting that this sort of thing is still having 
money being put into it, in especially in a post-COVID climate, because I feel like a lot of folks are still work from home right now. COVID is still spiking up and down. I mean, you know, it's really out of the mainstream media at this point because who wants to hear about COVID? Nobody. That's the last thing anyone wants to hear about these days. But is this a good use of money? You know, because like how many people are realistically coming to the office? What if there was another uptick of COVID? What do you do? Like this space just sits empty, you know? So I, I read uh, a while ago, Bob Iger's autobiography. Bob Iger was the CEO of Disney. Oh, yeah. uh, and he, you know, Disney is actually famous for doing this too, right? Having an incredibly impressive and elaborate and detailed workplaces, you know, headquartered as we're calling them here. And basically what he says is that it's impossible to be creative if you're trapped in a wooden box or, you know, a, a boring office, so to say, right? And Riot is a, you know, it's a really similar company to Disney, right? They're almost the Disney of video games, right? There's a few players who are kind of chasing that title as being the main kind of IP and and storyline behind video games. But, you know, this is a move to just incentivize creativity and it's, it's valuable, right? If, if the biggest companies in the world and and Disney just continues to print, uh, you know, new titles and and money by doing so uh, it's basically, I I like it. I think it's, it makes Riot just an even better place to work. Uh, It's going to help them, you know, keep their employees happy and, and, and their games creative over the long run. And, you know, yeah, you know, I think the the, the COVID issue and work from home is certainly, um, you know, that that's always going to be a thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm willing to bet Riot is still allowing employees to work remotely, but, it, it, you know, more work gets done when you're not remote. And, uh, you know, there, there, it's probably just a push to get more people to come in. Um, so I, you know, I think it's great. I think it's basically Riot proving that they're, they're a big player now. Um, you know, they certainly have the the position to do this and they're doing it. Oh yeah. Big time, big time. And you know, it's look, it's, it's really cool to see if I was a Riot employee, I, I feel like I, hopefully it would spark some type of creativity for me. If I was on the team needing to, to be in that division of creativity and, and creating something new. I mean, they're always innovating, always creating the next best champion. And you, I mean, I never see it coming personally, and I'm just, I'm just a casual new player. So, you know, it's, it is what it is, but it's super cool to see uh, Riot kind of just be one of these big dogs with so many different IPs, especially uh, Project L coming to the future. It's like their version of a fighting game with existing characters and champions that they have already. So uh, it's going to be really cool to see that come to fruition, hopefully in the next year or two. Moving on uh, to this is a topic that we have talked about way, way, way back. Uh, we talked about how I believe it was Logitech sponsoring a series for the game Splitgate. Splitgate is a FPS shooter uh, that basically is combined with Portal. So, uh, you know, it's it's like Halo, but like you have portals to, to jump around. It's really cool, really innovative, and has it's a lot of fun. I've played a ton of it, uh, but it's been a while since I picked up the game. Uh, but you know what? Their pro series just keeps getting bigger and better. Uh, it's gotten so big, however, that uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime Gaming, has sponsored their latest tournament. 
And so this is this is huge for a game like this. You need these big companies to take your next steps into the world of esports and who better than one of the largest companies on earth having amazon behind your back and really like as a tool in your tool belt as a game developer to, uh to to pull you know to put out a real pro series i believe the article talks about like five or six new teams entering the scene as well like it is a huge deal for this game that started out as like a fan get it started out as a small thing it did not start out at the level that it is now. And I mean, you know, that's technically every game, but like seriously, Splitgate has had an up and coming. My question is, can it keep going? Can the momentum keep swinging in its favor? I'm going to say yes. I think the game is innovative. I think there's a lot to go a, a lot to go from, and I think it pulls in a lot of those older FPS players into something that's a little bit newer, more refreshing. I mean, when's the last time you've heard about Halo Infinite? I mean, like I I see it pop up every now and then, but Halo Infinite is not dominating Twitch. And, you know, Splitgate only dominates Twitch when like it it like blows up like this, but I mean, I think it's something to say when uh when you're getting a sponsor this big that that's yeah, halo infinite uh i've seen some pretty bad stuff about halo infinite actually you know the game released with you know i think it was like four base maps something crazy like that yeah right? basically no room for iteration no room for you know continuous playing you know they didn't release a battle royale um you know, I've seen really not good stuff about Halo Infinite, at least as multiplayer goes. I know their campaign is is probably awesome. My dad actually has been playing it and telling me about it. They added boss battles. Uh, he's super excited about mm. that. You know, as for Splitgate, I don't see anything about Splitgate. Uh, you know, I never see anything about the Pro Series. I know what's going on, and you know, we, uh, you know, I like Splitgate. I actually in 2018 I ran into their booth at PAX East. Uh, and I said, this is, this is a good game. This is like an, you know, innovative, cool thing. They were so small at the time. Wow. Um, you know, the game does suffer from a little bit of not being incredibly replayable, uh, in the essence that the portals can just become too kind of generic and in, in where you want to place them. Uh, you know, so it, it, it when it was just on PC, it didn't really do incredibly well. I would, I, you know, they raised so much money, right at the start of 2021 or, or they did, not yeah. the start of 21, but recently. And like, you know, I go back and forth on Splitgate. you know, is it a triple a, a AAA game that's going to, you know, really dive into esports and be big. I don't see it being crazy big, but I think it's got a nice niche here. They're obviously doing something right. If they've landed Amazon prime. Uh, so, you know, maybe I'll check it out and see where it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I've looked at it and you're right. Like the game does get monotonous. I think that's something I've forgotten about. The, the placement of portals on maps, you know, players who are good enough are going to figure out the best spots to put to put a portal, right? Like, it's yeah. just, that's just what happens. And, you know, you have to innovate, you have to try to recreate, but there's only so much you can do with the same, like, three or four maps. I, I, I believe they've added some more maps since then, because, like, mm -hmm. I remember they only had, like, three or four, like, you know, big maps that they were using at the time. And so mm -hmm. I think they've added more since then. And I mean, the, that's what they got to do. They just got to keep adding more maps, keep it, keep it fresh, keep it innovative. You know, uh, hopefully they can keep progressing and the momentum doesn't die for them, but you're right. You don't hear about much from Splitgate, just like you don't hear much about Halo Infinite. 
You know, it's it's mm-hmm. big stuff like this where you know, okay, it'll make it'll make an article site. Uh, like like we we found it right, so it's uh, I I like Splitgate, so it's a game where I was like, okay, let's let's mention this, let's see where it's going. Uh, so there's like a I see a story arc right now, you know we where we've seen it like start out super small. I mean, you, Pax East 20, 2018, that's crazy. Four years ago, you know, almost four years ago now. So seeing seeing them start from there, go go to where they are now. I mean, they're going, but how far can they go? You know, that's going to be the question. So hopefully uh, we can keep tracking that here and uh, maybe one day we'll find out. We'll find out. Up next is a topic maybe that some of us all love and maybe some of us really hate if we have money in it. Bitcoin has been going up and down, and I think it just recovered at 32000 today, uh, but it was dipping yesterday and the day before uh, below 30000 A lot of people in the uh, crypto market definitely freaking out about uh, Bitcoin just being down so low, but a lot of people are, I think the the right term would be bullish. Uh, they're saying that this could be, uh, you know, the moment before the storm of a very large uptick. Jacob, what are your thoughts? Is this a time to buy? Is it a time to keep selling? Or do hodlers just need to keep doing what they're doing? Uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, it's crazy that the high was 69,000. Uh, Elon Musk, I bet nice. he loves that. Yeah, But, uh, you know, I do wonder a little bit about Bitcoin and the fact that it doesn't support smart contracts. It's only a store of value. The fees are something, right? It's it's one to four dollars, I think, to send Bitcoin. Um, and it can be really hurt by a tether that's, you know, uh, it, it just, it, you know, Bitcoin seems to interfere with tether at a way that you know Ethereum doesn't, in the fact that Ethereum is is all about decentralized applications. Yeah, um, I do wonder a little bit about Bitcoin in terms of long term, uh, you know, basically, you know, value and, and it is a store of value and it does have the network and that's kind of the same thing as gold. Um, so I would be buying, you know, I'm buying Ethereum right now because it's going into EMP money and I'm making you know, 1% each day on that. So I would say that's a much better strategy. But if you're into Bitcoin, I, I would say it's, it's it's time to buy. Okay. Okay. Wise words from Jacob Schrader, but not professional financial advice. Always remember yeah, definitely not. that here on the Esports Forever podcast, we are not giving out official financial advice. So do not come to us if you lose your money. However, you could come to us and tell us about the success you're having with EMP dot money, though. Uh, that is always a lot of fun. Always a lot of fun to see. Um, continuing on here, uh, but, you know, I'll just say this: Bitcoin. We'll see where it keeps going. Um, maybe it's going to drop lower. I've got a buddy of mine. His name is Jackson Barr. Uh, he he says that he says it's going to keep going down. He thinks it's going to keep going down before it gets better. So we'll see. I mean. I'm not sure, but uh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out in time. Okay, this one's a big one, though. Next up, this topic, NFTs coming to Instagram. Finally. Finally. It's about time. I mean, all this talk of the metaverse, which I still don't understand, because like I feel like there are so many digital worlds. It's like there's not – I don't think there's like one metaverse. I, I don't even know, right? It's just all these buzzwords that are just floating around in the atmosphere, and finally, we're just going to pull one down and go – why not just make the platform made for photos more accessible with NFTs? And so they are going to be bringing NFTs to selective creators to Instagram. 
Uh, there's a huge, a huge talk about like revenue sharing with creators. They're really trying to like promote creator economy on Instagram. Definitely an interesting take. Um, I I think it's too good to be true, personally. Um, I think it was a while back where we saw that, you know, Facebook wanted to create, you know, or Meta want, wants to have a metaverse, right? And we we talked about how much money it was going to cost uh, you as a creator when someone bought your NFT. Wasn't it like a crazy percentage? Like we talked like about this. Yeah, it was like 40% or something like that. We talked about how crazy the number was. What makes you think that this company is just going to all of a sudden be like, yeah, we are so focused on creator economy now uh, that this this is what we want to do. Hey, maybe they're listening to the billions of people on their platform. Maybe. I doubt it, though. Highly doubt it. I think this is too good to be true. There are a lot of people who love NFTs, and there are a lot of people who hate NFTs. And I'm not sure if embracing them, especially within the platform, is going to be too good. What I'm curious about, though, is when you're bringing NFTs to such a big platform like Instagram, because let, look, Twitter and Reddit brought NFTs to their platform by letting you connect your wallet and having it as your profile picture. This is going to be next level collecting on Instagram. And so does this lower the barrier of accessibility to NFTs? That is the problem, right? That's what we talked about every single week. Does the barrier to enter into the NFT space lower itself where a Joe Schmo like me off the street pulls out my phone, decides that I want to buy an NFT right now to add to my personal Instagram collection? Boom, I own an NFT and I didn't have to delve into the nitty gritty of crypto to do it. That is how it's going to get done. I don't think this article goes too much into that. I'm just saying, you know, with this move, could it be a, a jump for better accessibility? Yeah, it doesn't say directly that it's it's going to be kind of a marketplace. No. Right. And it's, no. it's interesting that they're saying that they can display NFTs on their feed stories and in messages. You know, to me, the PFP stance, it just makes more sense. Right. I do understand that, you know, there's value in sending them in messages or stories, but the the PFP thing, that's kind of what the initial hype was about. Oh, it's still going. Displaying yourself. Yeah. With moonbirds. Yeah. All that. Um, Generative Dungeon is about to drop a PFP (laughs) of characters from Generative Dungeon. Like it's it's still big. It's still big. Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, that, that's cool. I, I want to check out that generative dungeons. Um, but, you know, it, 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 there's not much here to tell us what's going on. It'll be interesting to see how it um, how it goes. I do see there's going to be no fees associated with posting or sharing. Yeah. You know, it, it, it could make sense for them to try to, you know, turn it into a little bit of a marketplace uh, with people. You know, it's such a network to basically show off your art. Why not have creators, you know, they have a store functionality already. Why not have it, you know, an NFT store? Uh, doesn't seem too crazy to, yeah. to think they might do that. But is it connected to a blockchain at that point? And then that's that's where it's like, is it an NFT anymore or am I just selling pictures? Yeah, well, as long as it, you know, they, they have said they have integrations with Ethereum and Polygon. So, you know. Instagram can be as centralized as it wants, right? OpenSea is centralized. Everything is centralized. 
if it's not a decentralized exchange. Um, you know, and, and they can basically say you're buying it on Instagram, you can just send it to OpenSea, right? But you, you know, maybe you want it on Instagram to show off, right? Maybe you want it there, you know, Instagram could, could take the OpenSea route and, you know, people can show off their NFTs. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter that they're centralized as long as they give you the option to just send it wherever you want. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping it works out. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping for better accessibility. That's really what I want from it. And I'm hoping hoping that keeps going forward. Okay, next up, uh, Yuga Labs, one of the largest companies in the NFT space, owning some of the biggest NFT projects, including Bored Apes, Mutant Ape Yacht Club, CryptoPunks, uh, Woman of... Um, trying to think of the name in the collection um, and, uh, and, a, and a couple others, but they have introduced a cinematic, beautifully done clip of something called uh, the other side, which is supposedly some type of metaverse trying to bring together all of the people of, diff of these different NFT communities, maybe into one. Um, but you know, uh, it's very it's very vague. There's not a lot of information on what the other side is other than a really great cinematic like video that they made uh, that is, you know, definitely uh, eye catching. And, uh, you know, it sounds amazing. I mean, uh, the, the sound quality and uh, you know, the production quality of it is super high. So, you know, it's to be expected with a company that owns some of these larger projects. But, you know, uh, the problem is, is that. This, because of the vagueness of this site, there have been more scams uh, going along with uh, mutant ape, board apes, crypto punks, all this sort of stuff. Millions of dollars just down the drain because people are able to create a, a fake other side website and then just con people out of staking their stuff and boom, they take it from them. They, for some reason, yeah. give them access, right? People give them access to their wallet and then uh, uh, their stuff's gone. And, you know, so it's just like, you know, uh, this is not good. Reading over the article too, they they talk about like ridiculous gas fees in the thousands of dollars, and uh, people, you know, uh, the company's saying that they've refunded everybody, and then people on Twitter being like, "Yo, we have not been refunded," and so it's just a publicity <laughs> mess for uh, Yuga Labs yeah. overall. But you know what? Not everyone hears about this stuff. You know, that people are so focused on these projects. I I just don't know. You know, this is reported on Kotaku, which, you know, sometimes it is not the most reputable site in terms of, of content and information. It's just a site where there's a lot of popular, like, you know, video game and crypto stuff being posted. So maybe maybe there are enough people ignoring the noise that they just don't care. Um, there, I, I, I actually do have uh, an article sort of related to Yuga Labs after this uh, in a moment. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts, Jacob? I mean, other side looks pretty cool. The trailer is, is kind of insane, uh, but like it's just so vague. And with not enough detail, it opens people up to just be able to scam. You know, it's just, it's easy. Yeah. Um, I it, it is crazy, right? We've covered like four scams on here. Yeah. that are just directly linked to board apes. Yep. Uh, it's not really something they can avoid, right? It's just the nature of kind of the NFT industry and how it sits right now. Um, as for other sides, the, the video was really cool. 
Um, I do wonder if Bored Ape is, it, it gives it almost a generic NFT project feel now where they're basically doing what everybody else is doing. Every NFT project is saying they're going to build a metaverse. You know, I understand Bored Ape is, it's got a precedent that's been set, but it, it does feel a little bit like they basically took what made them so special uh, and, and are kind of blending in with all the others. Uh, that's just my kind of knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, well said. Well said. I, I don't think you're you're totally wrong there. I, I think that uh, you know, people love the PFPs, right? People love those profile picks, but uh, for some reason, people also love this metaverse, owning digital land and taking up space in different spaces that, for some mm. reason, have value, right? <laughs> yeah. Whatever. And who knows. That's so speculative at this point. The whole land debacle, it's so speculative, right? And all these metaverses, right? You know, the, the point of the metaverse is that it's holistic. It's one, right? And, you know, it, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with all these land plots. Do they all somehow get conjoined under one big umbrella, right? That's what would make it the metaverse in, in entirety, but right now they're so disjointed. Right? Yeah, it's it feels not a splintered, man. I, I don't know about you, but I don't see a whole. I don't feel like there's some holistic project of of own own owned land. You know, like it's it's just so weird to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yeah. It feels all over the place. So that's I just agree. my take. Okay, next article: virtual cat. Anyone? Um, so <laughs> pet petaverse network will make virtual NFT cats using Polygon. That's the article. Period. That's nice. it. that's all I wanted to talk about. I was like, I'm allergic so to cats, so this me. is for me. You know, <laughs> you know, this reminds me of uh, Crypto Kitties, yeah, which was the first NFT uh, game, kind of like Axie. Not much to it, but uh, it picked up a little bit. I mean, these are cool. There's a picture in here. They're 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 all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of Polygon. Um, you know, these second layer Ethereum products are interesting. Um, the founder of Ethereum recently said on Twitter that he thinks it's only uh, kind of acceptable if these second layer solutions have fees under five cents per transaction, and they don't. Uh, Binance is really low, and it's about 15 cents. Yeah. Uh, I think Matic and Polygon is a little higher than that. Um, and, you know, if Ethereum is able to solve its scaling, scaling problem, which I'm not sure it will, uh, you know, ETH 2.0, it's been hyped up for a while now. It's not happening anytime soon, right? The fees on Ethereum are crazy. You know, Ethereum processes 13 transactions per second, wow. right, which is like ridiculously slow. Um, so basically they can, you know, they can do stuff to basically maximize the efficiency of those 13 transactions, right? And that's what these side chains do. They basically load up a ton of transactions and then process them all together through a single block on Ethereum. Um, but you know, I, I wonder about the long-term scalability if ETH is able to, to, to really lower their fees. Um, but it's interesting. We're seeing more NFTs on Polygon. That's kind of what I was going with immediately. Um, but you know, Polygon, Ethereum or, or Solana, um, we're seeing more stuff there. Solana is really actually popping off in, in terms of gaming. Um, so it's interesting. Well, we talked about Solana a little while back too. This was probably about a couple months ago where Adobe had announced that they were supporting Solana NFT projects via their like their like web uh 
like picture making app. I it's I don't it was not Photoshop, but there was another another application under the Adobe Suite where they were officially supporting Solana, which was it was really cool. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of support for it. So we'll see we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Uh, but more related to Yuga Labs here, a crypto punk in a downturn. So uh, this article, it's pretty straightforward, although, you know, it's ya- it's uh, finance.yahoo, so take it with a grain of salt, okay? They're like, is this the death of the NFT? A CryptoPunk bought for a million dollars sells for 10% of its original price. And it's like, well, you know, there's a major downturn right now. People just looking to, to liquefy their assets or holdings in some way. I mean, that's a lot of money to lose, though. I'm surprised that a CryptoPunk is sold for that cheap compared to what it was bought for. But, I mean, at the same time, it's a CryptoPunk, right? I mean, like, they're they're still pretty good. Like, it's a good collection. But it's not the Board API Club. It's not the Mutant API Club. It's not uh, some of the other bigger projects. Like, like CryptoPunk is a big project. I don't want to downplay it. But I'm not going out of my way for a CryptoPunk. You know, I, it's just... Yeah, so... A while ago, CryptoPunks were more valuable than than Bored Apes. Uh, CryptoPunks were selling for ridiculous amounts. Oh, yeah. Right? They During go up and down. NFL season. Mm-hmm. O- Odell bought one for $2.3 million. Um, so it, it, it is interesting. Um, I think this is just a correction that's kind of due. Yeah. Uh, this NFT ticket, it went crazy. And people are realizing, you know, what do I do with these right now? You know, I hold them. But how long can that last until, you know, there's actual use cases for these NFTs? Um, yeah, I mean, so it's just all in due time. It's what we do with our NFT, right? So Zen Sports has our own NFT called Zen Sportsia, Zen Sportsians. Um, in fact, we actually have something going on right now called the Mint Train, where every day we get a mint on OpenSea for our project. We add $250 to the prize pool of a large tournament that we are hosting at the end of May on the 28th. So please go check that out at zensports.com slash zensportsia. Uh, we have our own NFT project going on right now. Amazing art from our artist that we have hired on staff. His name is Manny. He does amazing stuff. Uh, Mr. Fire Truck Man on Twitter. Uh, well, quite a name. He's got some amazing, amazing art. But uh, you know, it's 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 true. You know, what do you do with an NFT? And so for us, we said, well, we're going to turn it into a product, right? We're going to turn it into a membership, and that's what a lot of NFTs are. Right, you're you're buying your access into a community with people. Now, the question is, how active are those people within the community? If I buy into the Tom Brady collection on DraftKings, right, what are the chances I'm going to get to talk to Tom Brady on Discord? Uh, probably very little. But you know, there are other projects with other people and other celebrities who are more active, and maybe you want to be a part of that community. Maybe you want to connect up with those people that are like-minded like you who want to be a part of that project for whatever reason. There are applicable uses that are good for NFTs, and a lot of them happen to be some type of membership or some type of benefit, right? It's like when I go work for a company, right? A lot of times someone says, or my mom would say to me, make sure you're working somewhere where if there's something that you want to get out of it, uh, you can, 
right? And so when I would work retail, it's like, okay, where am I going to go work retail? Well, maybe I'll go work retail at a place that like, for instance, a card shop. I like to buy Pokemon cards. I like to buy board games. Well, I'll get a discount as an employee. So that makes sense to me. Well, you know what? We're selling this in sports here product as a way for people who are into sports betting, into esports, right? That sort of stuff. That's what we're doing. We're having a blast doing it. I got to tell you. And so for CryptoPunks and stuff like that, it's a status symbol of a community. At least that's what it looks like to me. Um, but what else does it get you? To, I don't I don't know of the uses of a CryptoPunk personally, Jacob. I, I don't know about you. But it's it's nothing compared to Zen Sports here. That's all I can say. That's all I can say. <laughs> you know, I wonder if the CryptoPunk owners get the same benefits as board AP owners uh, now that Yuga Labs has bought them. Yeah, I, um, that's a good question. It's a good question. I mean... I don't think that I don't know what their access to ApeCoin is either, but who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I don't think this is the death of the NFT. I think this is just, I mean, we're in a downturn, you know, so someone decided to sell and they lost a lot of money. But mm-hmm. I mean, if they had a million dollars to buy a CryptoPunk, I mean, I'm sure they have a lot more money. So I'm just, I'm just putting that out there. I'm just putting that out there. Okay, wait. Can I just, I'm just going to mention this for a moment. My computer is giving me a fire warning for where I live. (laughs) Literally, like, there's like a little weather sensor on my bottom right corner of my screen. All of a sudden, a little flame popped up where usually, like, the sun is. And I'm like, I'm like, excuse me? Hey, what's going on? Fire warning? Okay, cool. Great. Great. Cool. Great to see. Okay, let's finish up here strong. Uh, I thought this was pretty cool, and I, I actually heard about this uh, first on TikTok, which I was like, huh? Um, Paramount Plus, you know, they've been going strong because they literally have the office. That's it. Uh, nothing else of, of note to my mind. Uh, maybe they have some more, but, you know, putting that aside. League of Legends mockumentary TV series. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about it. It's um, who the f- who is watching this? Who is this <laughs> aimed for? Good, actually, <laughs> I mean, like it's 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 I it's first of all it's hilarious. It's a mockumentary, so it's meant to be funny. It's meant to be for comedy. But my goodness. What a niche audience you're going for. But you know what? Maybe that niche audience is big enough to warrant like this is going to bring subscribers to Paramount Plus just to watch the League of Legends mockumentary. I think it's hilarious. I think it's it's worth noting. So I mentioned it today, but I'm excited to like to to get a chance to actually see this, which this also yeah. reminded me just randomly. I was like, as as I was talking about Paramount Plus, I was like. I have an HBO Max subscription that I have not used in like a month. Totally random, totally off topic. I just, <laughs> I just, I'm like, yeah, I, I have Disney Plus. I haven't used it in, in quite a while either. Oh, I, I use Disney Plus all the time. The Simpsons is all I watch, bro. That's awesome. And then Hulu, I use Hulu for American Dad. So it's like, you know, that's <laughs> the good stuff. Yeah. So this, uh, this show, it it, it it may be a little bit more mainstream than you're giving it credit for. Okay. Because it won't be like crazy about League of Legends characters, right? You won't have to know anything about League of Legends. Yeah. It's a fictional character called Cream Cheese. 
and he's like a veteran. And I think he meets a young gun who, who helps him. And, you know, it's probably like they hate each other at the start and in the end they become friends. Um, Cream cheese. Kind of the opposite of arcane, how uh, Jinx and Vi kind of separate. Oh yeah. But uh, it's, I I will watch this actually. I think it it looks cool. I think it'll be funny. Um, And and I don't know. I think, I think it'll be, uh, this one excites me more than arcane did to be honest, which is, you know, probably not the case for you. I personally never got around to watching Arcane, so I wanted to. I just I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. I ain't sitting down to watch Arcane. I play League instead. You know, it's 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 the trade off. I mean, that's what they want those viewers to do, anyways. Yeah, so why not just true. why not just cut away <laughs> the middleman and just go play? You know, yeah. that's that's Absolutely. my take. Okay, uh, last but certainly not least, uh, uh, a good note for the educational scene. Iowa State and University of Iowa uh, debuting their eSport lounges, which, I mean, a bunch of schools and universities across the United States have already done this already. I know DePaul University uh, did so back in 2015, 2016, where almost every freshman dorm has an eSports lounge. That's Um, crazy. It was actually really, really cool. Um, It lasted in some of the dorms for a while. And then in some of the others, it did not last. And then those lounges got redone into like a community hangout center, which was kind of lame. Um, Why do they not? They just never, no one was. Oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry. I need to. Sorry. I'm remembering this in reverse. It was a community hangout that was then converted into an esports like lounge space. And so it, I remember it back in the day as like hangout space, super chill. And then like by junior year of my time at DePaul, all of a sudden I go down into the freshman dorm because the radio station was there. And um, I walk by and I'm like, all of these top of the line computers are just chilling Dang. with like esport gaming equipment and chairs and everything. I'm like, Man, if this was only here my freshman year, bro, like I would have been down here gaming all the time instead of on my Apple crap top, bro. Like, come on. <laughs> 2015 <laughs> Apple MacBooks are not made to run League of Legends on university Wi-Fi. <laughs> Period. Period. So, uh, that's definitely true. And so this is really cool to see Iowa State and University of Iowa doing this. And I think it's, uh, you know, a lot of it's to attract students that are going to these universities to, you know, come and join our esports program. A lot of schools of the Midwest are part of the Big East esports tournament series, which it's a lot of fun. I have friends who did it. It's a good time. Uh, but, you know, uh, a lot of people are selective. And, you know, I've kind of been able to get a little bit of insight and view into this process of, you know, do I choose a university based off of like how good they treat video game players there? Definitely something to note. Like, it's, it's cool that there is a personal space for esports, for Smash, all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, do I really want to be going to a lab for esports or do I want to be in the comfort of my own room, my own dorm, that sort of stuff with my own PC and have just really good quality internet there? Personally, I would love that. But at the same time, you've got homework to do. Are you really going to clutter up your desk with a giant monitor? Like, I don't know. You know, it's it's up to you. Some people would say yes. Some people would say no. Uh, during my time in college, I did not. But my roommates uh, certainly did. My sweet mates, they both gamed 24-7. And then when they had to do homework, they would do homework. And then when they weren't, they were literally just playing league all day long. That's it. That's what yeah. they did. I think some people probably can't afford the 
personal PC. So oh, I couldn't. obviously that's nicer. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't until I was literally done with college. You know. Yeah, it's nice to see these colleges doing it. I, it would have been amazing if I went to a school that had something like this. Uh, it, would, it just would have been awesome. I would have met a lot of friends who, who did this stuff just like I did. Agreed. Um, Agreed. It's great. I love it actually. Well. That's all we got time for today, folks. Thank you so much for watching uh, our video, listening into our podcast. Uh, one more time, big shout out to emp.money. Please go check them out. Go ch- see what they're doing. Um, it's amazing that uh, they're able to, to come back from this, this huge dip in the market right now and, and still stay strong because the community is just that active and that you know forthgoing, uh, even, e- even in a decline for uh, some of the biggest stable coins that exist right now. So go check them out. Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today on eSports Forever. Uh, always a pleasure. And for all of you watching, thank you for watching this video. If you enjoyed, please like, subscribe, let us know down in the comments below what you'd like to hear more or less of, that sort of stuff. Until next time, we out.